In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. When we look at all that is going on in the world around us today, it can be easy to be overwhelmed. The first thing many of us do when we're faced with a tragedy or with a disaster is to ask, why? Why would God allow innocent people to be killed for someone else's political ambitions? Why would God allow disease to take the life of a friend or a loved one? Sometimes we look toward the Bible to find the answers to these questions. But I will be the first to admit, there are some parts of the Bible that do not paint God in the most loving picture. In his book, The Bible Tells Me So, Peter Enns addresses some of the most disturbing parts of the Old Testament that have turned many people away from the Bible, like God commanding genocide. One of the points that he makes is that we need to take the biblical accounts and traditions in their historical and cultural contexts. Like many other scholars, he stresses that Jesus was a first century Jew who would have interpreted the Holy Scriptures like rabbis did at that time. And he would have taught as rabbis taught at that time. After all, even the disciples called Jesus rabbi, teacher. Now, one of the teaching techniques of the rabbis in Jesus' day was hyperbole, exaggerated comments to make a specific point. Perhaps the most famous of these is where Jesus teaches that if your eye offends you, you are to pluck it out. And if your hand offends you, you're to cut it off. And it sure sounds to me like Jesus is using the same shocking teaching technique in today's reading from Luke. When he says that if his hearers do not repent, they will suffer the same fate as certain Galileans whom Pilate had slaughtered in the temple, or like some 18 other unfortunate people who were crushed by a falling tower. Luke's Jesus uses very strong language in these chapters leading up into his entry into Jerusalem as we see not only in today's reading, but also in the following chapter. When Jesus says, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't know of a single biblical scholar, even those who take the Bible most literally, who do not believe that Jesus is using hyperbole here. Jesus is not advocating literally cutting off our hands or plucking out our eyes or even hating our fathers and mothers. He's using hyperbole to make a point. In today's gospel, before he gets to this hyperbolic language, Jesus wants to clear up a common misconception among Jewish people at the time. The misconception is that every bad thing that happens 
must be God's punishment for something we have done wrong. And likewise, every good thing that happens to us must be God's reward for our righteousness. I've said it here before, that is just bad theology. Jesus wants to sever this strong connection between tragedy and sinfulness, which is prevalent through much of the Torah, especially in the book of Deuteronomy. Those final editors of Deuteronomy believe that everything that happens to us in life happens as a consequence of our unrighteousness or our sinfulness and God's respective reward or punishment. Even though the book of Job strongly challenged this mindset, it was still floating around in Jesus' day, as evidenced in John's gospel, where Jesus' disciples, when they meet that man who was born blind, ask, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Twice in today's gospel, Jesus removes this connection between tragedy and God's punishment for sin. Jesus states that the Galileans whom Pilate killed were no more sinful than any other Galileans. And the 18 people upon whom that tower of Siloam fell were no worse sinners than anyone in Jerusalem. Every tragedy that happens to people does not take place because God wills it. And Jesus cannot be more clear about this than in today's gospel. But there's another point that Jesus is making in our reading this morning. Perhaps it's the main point. And this is really where the hyperbole comes in. After separating this connection between tragedy and God's punishment, Jesus turns right around and says twice, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Now, how confusing is that? Jesus first says that the tragedies happening in the world aren't the result of God's punishment for our evil ways. And then the next breath, he says, if you don't repent, you'll perish just like they did. Is he contradicting what he said? No. And the reason we might miss this is because we usually hear that word repent and we interpret it to mean to shape up and act good. But that's not what the word repent really means. Quite literally, the word repent means to change your mind, change your direction. As the word is used by Jesus, it means more than just changing your mind. It means transforming your very life. The command repent really means to be changed, transformed into your true self, into Christ living into the new reality of God's kingdom. What Jesus is doing with the crowd in today's gospel is redirecting their focus. The people ask Jesus, what do you think about those Galileans that Pilate slaughtered? But Jesus knows that no one is ever spiritually transformed by focusing on those others. No one has ever been changed by the question, what about them? After Jesus' resurrection in John's gospel, Peter asked Jesus about what's going to happen to the beloved disciple. And Jesus responds to him, what is that to you? Your calling 
is to follow me. But isn't that what we love to do? Focus on other people's situations, critique them, pass judgment on them, while avoiding the important changes that are needed in our own lives. We love to critique that speck in the other person's eye while ignoring the log in our own eye, ignoring the changes we need to make in our own lives. One commentator says about the people in today's gospel who are engaging Jesus in this conversation, he says, they are asking about the fate of others. And suddenly, Jesus faces them with their own fate. People must look inside to be in touch with the will of God and then make that will happen in the events of their own lives. They are the ones who bring God's will onto the earth. Leave to the fabrications of the mind the question of whether terrible events are God's will. The will of God that is beyond debate is that we change and produce fruit, that we bring heaven to earth. When we ask God in the Lord's Prayer that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the assumption of this prayer is that God's will is not presently being done on earth. Therefore, to look at the events of the earth to find God's will, as the people in today's gospel do, is to look in the wrong direction. He goes on, it is in the heavenly space of prayer that we touch this will, and it is in the struggles of the earth that we enact it. Jesus uses this gardening image in our gospel when he says that he will do everything in his power to cultivate and nourish this fig tree, us, in order to help it bear fruit, to help it bear God's being and love into this world. We are to let that gardener, God, do his work in the garden of our souls, loosening up the soil, binding our roots so tightly that no life-giving air can get in, disturbing us in our complacency and our habitual patterns, spreading manure around us, which is nourishing but not always pleasant, pruning us where needed. Growth requires letting go of certain parts of our lives. This is the true work of repentance. And it's actually God, the gardener, who does most of that heavy lifting. Our part is to keep the gate to the garden of our soul open for God to come and go and do God's work in us. We must be willing to have that hard soil at our roots broken up and turned over. The sometimes unpleasant yet helpful manure spread around us. The unfruitful or energy depleting parts of us pruned. And when we do this, then the image of God that divine life implanted in us from the time we were a seed, then it will grow and flourish. And the fruit of God's love will be born in us for the feeding of a love-starved world. <laughs>